Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a multi-site church longing for God's kingdom to come in order to restore the city and renew the nation of Wales. During the coronavirus outbreak, we are not meeting on a Sunday, but you can stay connected with us on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vineyard Church Cardiff. Each Sunday, we will be streaming a full-length service and providing resources for the kids. And across the week, we're putting up loads of content. You can find out more on our social media or at cardiffvineyard.org forward slash online church. Here's this week's talk from our senior pastor, James Rankin. I'm excited today to be sharing with you from the book of James again in our, in our new series called Real Faith. And I've called today's talk Real Faith reflects God's mercy. Now, have you ever been made to feel really small and worthless in life, like you don't belong? And in fact, even as I'm saying that, some of you are thinking, oh, Jeanette, yeah, I've actually felt that this week. Well, I had an experience about seven years ago when I went away with a group of Christian leaders and I was really looking forward to it. I was excited about it. And they were leaders from different churches and denominations and I had two or three days with them. But after about half a day, I realised that I felt like a complete outsider. You have those, those moments where you feel like you're looking in on something happening, but you don't really feel a part of it. And it was a really, it was a really interesting experience. Like, interesting is probably the wrong word. Difficult experience where I kind of felt, oh, maybe I've got nothing interesting to share. Nobody's really interested in me and really aware that I didn't belong. Now, I don't blame anybody about that feeling. It was just one of those things. But it's funny, as I think back to that time, I still feel really quite anxious about it. When I think about it, I'm like, oh, yes, that, that's what it felt like to be on the outside of something looking in. And it's horrible, isn't it? It's a really horrible experience to feel like other people are more important than you are, that they're more interesting or valuable, successful, beautiful, you know, fill in the word, but sometimes just feeling like you lack something. Now, I share that because I'm sure that we've all had occasions in our life when we have felt like the outsider looking into a situation. And it can lead to loads of different emotions, insecurity, sometimes unsettledness, anger, like real frustration, like how, how dare that happen to me? But in the passage that we're looking at today in the book of James, it takes the subject of how we treat people head on. It's like treating some people better than others, lifting others up, pushing others down. And James has a lot to say to the church about this. And so I'm going to read it. It's chapter two and I'm going to start in verse one down to verse four and then pick up the passage in a bit later. It says this, my brothers and sisters, Believers in our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ, must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, whenever James starts a sentence, my brothers or my brothers and sisters, you know that he's getting ready to nail you. <laughs> it's like, it's coming. 
and it's going to be ch challenging. It's like one of those moments like James is about to throw a grenade into the room. So hold on. And it starts with this charge. It says, don't show favoritism. Now, James is talking about prejudice. By the way, I really, really struggle to say that word. I had a little chat with Jen. I was like, do you struggle to say the word prejudice? She's like, no. And I said, oh, well, go on then. Say it five times really quickly. Prejudice, prejudice, prejudice. I was like, okay, maybe not so much. Prejudice, prejudice, partiality and favouritism. Now, the, in, the New English Bible calls it snobbery. Basically saying, don't be a snob. A snob is somebody whose nose turns up when their eyes look down. So let's just have a little go. Like that. Snobbery. Somebody who always thinks that they're better than everybody else. Now, the Greek word is a compound word that means to receive and to face. So it literally means to receive somebody's face. It's quite an image, isn't it? It's like, I'm going to receive your face. To receive somebody at face value on the basis of how they look. It's really making a superficial judgment about somebody. As they come towards you, you're like, oh, you're like this, aren't you? You try and box them. You try and categorise them. James says, whatever you do, don't do that. Don't accept people just on superficial judgments. Don't just look at people and judge them because it's not your place. Now, back in the Old Testament, God calls the prophet Samuel to go to a man named Jesse and anoint one of his sons to be the new king of Israel. So Samuel met the oldest boy who was tall and handsome. And I'm sure at that moment, Sam was like, found him, got him. I know exactly what God's looking for. God is looking for this person. He is impressive. That is exactly the kind of guy that God wants to become king. And then we, the story continues. And then finally they get to David, who's the runt of the litter. And, you know, this little boy. And suddenly it's like God saying, no, this is the, this is the person that I've got. So I guess the lesson that we learned is even somebody who's as spiritually mature as Samuel can make distinctions between people based on externals, based upon their accents, their grammar, their dress, their qualification, the kind of cars that they drive, the jobs they hold, the houses that they live in, the areas that they're a part of. We can be so quick to judge and so quick to try and box people. But God judges people differently to us. I love what it says in Samuel 16 verse 7. It says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So as we continue this thought, I wonder when you meet people, whether you ever pray, Lord, help me to see what you see in this person. I only see their external appearance. I see how they look, how they speak, how they act, how what's going on right in front of me. But you see their heart. You see their capacity to love. You see their kindness you see their faith you see the, the way that they love others you see their humility their loyalty their goodness you see lord and you hear lord you hear their secret prayers you see what goes on behind closed doors you see their tears help me to see what you see and hear what you hear it's a pretty massive prayer but can you imagine if you pray that as you're meeting people how you begin to feel differently you're basically saying lord let me see with your eyes I'm just aware that so often we just react and we respond and our first thought is to judge. Well, 
So coming back to verse one, my brothers and sisters, as believers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favouritism. It's interesting that, isn't it? As believers in our glorious Lord Jesus. Now, the word glory in the Bible doesn't just mean brightness. The glorious is what's important, it's significant. So to say Jesus is the Lord of glory is to say he wants what he wants and your relationship with him is the most important thing. And you see, James is connecting this very first verse with the rest of the passage. And he sends, and he's saying, if you understand the glory of God and if you understand the glory of Jesus, you will be people who don't show favouritism, who value what God values and who stand in God's mercy. So in fact, what James does in verses one to four is he's really saying, if you don't pe treat people as equals, if you don't see every human being as infinitely valuable and of great dignity and worth, you don't understand glory. So when James is talking about favouritism, he's talking about the, sin the sinful human tendency to communicate to some people, you don't belong. You're not part of our circle. You're not one of us here. We don't want you here. We don't need you here. I don't, I don't have anything in common with you. And that's so hurtful when somebody does that. And, he's, and James is really talking about these little cliques and these little groups that can begin to emerge in, in churches, in small groups, where kind of a few people separate off together and communicate to others that they're not really that welcome. James tells us that favouritism contradicts our faith. He says, my brothers and sisters, to remind them, he's like, you are united. You are connected as believers. You're totally accepted by God in spite of sin and dysfunction and broken promises. And you've made all of these mistakes, but God accepts you exactly as you are. So don't now turn around and reject others based on silly little things that you wouldn't want God to reject you over. In other words, as Christians... You have a higher standard than God for who is valuable and worthy. Isn't that crazy? God's like, anybody can come to me. And instead we're like, oh, do you know what? You're not valuable enough. You're not important enough. What if God were to accept us the way that we accept one another sometimes? In other words, if God only accepted people with a certain IQ or a certain amount of money or a certain lack of money, but instead, God threw open the gates and he said, anybody who wants to come to me, you can come to me. Now, James is warning the church that without meaning to, they have drifted into this. I'm sure they never intended this for, to be the case, but slowly they just drifted. It's pretty challenging. Coming down to verse two, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, I think sometimes we read this illustration and at this moment we almost discount ourselves and come out of the passage because we sit there thinking, oh, do you know what? That's never going to be me, is it? I'm never going to do something like that. We would never outwardly demonstrate this kind of prejudice towards poor people and rich people. We'd we just wouldn't do that. But we could be far more subtle and devious about it. All of us like to be noticed by people. We want to be important. And if we're really, really honest for a moment, 
Most of us spend our lives judging other people. Tell me it's not true. It's interesting, I can't hear a single one of you saying anything back to me in this moment. It's the great thing about not having to ask rhetorical questions with people being there. Sometimes people answer and they're like, no, James, that's not... Complete silence. If you don't think this is the case, I want you to do something. I want you to imagine somebody walking up to you. And then I want you to imagine that there's a little screen next to you that displays every thought that you're thinking. So everything that you're thinking just comes up on the, on, on the screen. So somebody's walking towards you. Hi! Oh no, not them. I can't believe it. My heart's sinking. What are they wearing? And what have they done with their hair? Oh, they're so annoying. You know, you could go on, go on. But isn't it interesting that we do have those thoughts? Just think about that the next time that you're talking to somebody. It's like, what's the, what's the secret conversation that's going on behind the eyes? Well, the passage says, have you not discriminated and become judges with evil thoughts? So we're far more subtle. We treat some people with greater dignity and respect than others. And in doing so, we have placed a value on people based on something that God doesn't even recognise. So two people walk in and you size them up based entirely upon appearance and you treat one better than you treat the other. You have placed a value on one and on the other based on something God does not even recognise. And I just think that in our hearts we do this. We're, we're guilty of this. You're judging people in your hearts with almost no evidence. You don't know their story, their circumstances, their journey with Jesus. What if we were treated this way? How would we feel? It would make us mad, wouldn't it? We hate to be treated like that. So why would we treat other people this way? It goes on in verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. But you've dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? Throughout the scriptures, I believe that we see God's bias and love towards the poor. And it's interesting in this passage, he uses the phrase, poor in the eyes of the world has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith in other words God is using a different measurement to talk about being rich in faith if Jesus were to come and walk in our well, walk amongst our services and our small groups and, and our environments and he was to be right in the midst of them it would be interesting to note who are the people who are rich in faith I bet it would completely surprise us but it would be like oh Wow, you have dishonoured people because of what they look like. And J James asks us, well, what has your experience been with beautiful people? You care about the opinions so much of the beautiful and the rich and you try hard, so hard to impress them. You make sure that the beautiful people at work and at school think that you're intelligent. Well, tell me, James would ask, what was your experience with the most popular people in your school and university? Just think about those people for a minute. Just go back. Would you say that those popular kids in your school were the nicest people, the most humble, the most generous in their compliments and their encouragements, encouragements towards the week? How did the most popular people treat the poorly dressed, the non-athletic, the obese, the clumsy? James is saying that these beautiful 
people are the very source of your problems. Why do you care about the opinions of the wealthy and the beautiful? They and people like that, like that, are often exploiters. Yes, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Literally, the word exploit means to oppress and to dominate. And yet James says, in spite of all of our experience and all of our experience, the way that the prosperous, the popular, the powerful relate, we still prefer the lovely people. How crazy is that? It's crazy. God's heart is biased towards the poor and he loves them and he honours them and his heart is with them. Now, so far we've been looking at the problem of favouritism and now James pivots to give us the solution. It's about time. James 2 verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. So he gives us the solution and it's not, I want you to just like the person you don't normally like. Just like them. You just need to try harder. Because we don't have much control over that. But what he comes up with is an incredibly simple solution. When you run into that person or category of person that you tend that you have a tendency to judge and steer clear away and steer away from, sorry. When you bump into that person, you find that thing in you that starts to make a judgment call. You feel it rising up. It's like, oh, I'm feeling judgmental. It's coming, it's coming. You simply love that person the way that you would want your neighbour to love you. That will solve the problem in the church. Instead of seeing categories rich and poor and race and young and old, you just see yourself and then you love that person the way that you want to be loved. James says this will eliminate the problem. The health of a local church is determined by loving God and loving one another. And if you see yourself instead of the prejudice and the preference and you treat people the way that you want to be treated, well then it just turns this thing on its head. Love as you want to be loved. It will get rid of this problem. But you have to put on God's glasses and think differently. And you have to act differently. And it's amazing when you stop and ask God for his heart for somebody. For his words over their life. For, for his kindness over them. When you just begin to pray. To shift you. At that moment you're like, whoa, I'm seeing this person differently. And then finally we look at verses 12 and 13 which do come with a health warning. These are not easy verses. They are tough, tough verses it says this verse 12 speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful mercy triumphs over judgment mercy triumphs over judgment finally we're called to be a community of mercy it says in verse 13 judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful well, that's pretty terrifying, isn't it? It's like, judgment without mercy. James is being really strong. He's really pushing in in this moment. He's saying, you must be a merciful people. You have to be. You'll be judged if you're not a merciful person. Well, what does that mean? Well, when you and I hear the word mercy in English, we often think of a very general thing. It means being nice. I think we often think of mercy and niceness. It means being kind, it means being forgiving. But in the, in the New Testament, the word mercy can have that general sense, but it can also have a more specific sense as well. When Jesus was walking in the Gospels, buying the Gospels, and two blind men 
cried out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. They weren't saying, oh, Jesus, we just want you to be nice to us. They also weren't asking, please forgive us for our sins. They were saying, we've got physical needs. We're blind and we hear that you do miraculous signs and wonders. We've got a material need and we want you to address it. So the word mercy is also at the end of the Good Samaritan parable. So the Good Samaritan, he meets the physical needs, the material needs, the economic. I mean, the Good Samaritans are amazing. And that's called in that parable, the one who did mercy. So therefore, we've got to ask ourselves, well, what's the context here? Is he talking in the general sense of being kind and forgiving? Or is he talking in a more specific sense? Well, we know because we can look at verse 15, a couple of verses later, where it says this. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? There it is. Do you see how strong this is? So we're now, we've got these two th themes at play. We've got favouritism and mercy. But underlying both is the way that we treat people, that our faith ultimately should make a difference. Real faith, real lives. Now you see how important it is because James has the audacity to say judgment, that's God's word by the way, will be without mercy for those who have shown no mercy. Now he's using the word mo mercy both in its general sense of being kind and forgiving and, it, and in its specific sense, in the same sense as for, for impact. So here's what the impact is. I believe it's saying God wants mercy to be at the heart of our community in the way we treat one another and the way that we love our neighbour. If we just talk about love and we don't put our money where our mouth is, and we don't put our bodies where our mouth is and actually help people address practical needs inside the church and outside the church, if we don't care about the poor, then we have completely missed God's heart. Judgment will be without mercy for those who have shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Pretty strong stuff, but there it is. We are to be a community sensitive to and radically committed to reflecting God's mercy. And as a church, the way that we treat people says so much about the love that God's put in our hearts. I was talking with Matt Meads this week, who's running the Serve the City Task Force, which is doing some really, really amazing things across the city, kind of um, helping families and partnering with some charities like Food Bank. And it's a great start. Do you know what? It's brilliant. There's, 40, there's over 40 people signed up for that task force. And it's a good start, but it's not all that there is. I think both me and Matt just felt this sense of, oh, there's more. There's so much more. Right now our city is broken. It's hurting. People are broken and hurting. And there is so, so much need. And so we're just looking at as a church to say, you know, we don't want to just talk about feeding the poor. It's like, oh, that's a nice concept. But actually, we want to do it. We want to be a part of meeting the needs of our city. And so me and Matt were just beginning to think, a couple of weeks ago, we were supposed to be doing Love Cardiff. We, we ended up not doing it. But we were like, what would it be to do Love Cardiff in June? And I know there will be restrictions because of lockdown and we're going to have to be incredibly creative. But it doesn't mean that we just stop. There is so much need. And so we, as individuals, ask, how can I meet the needs of my community around me? 
And then as a church, we come together and we're like, we want to bless our city. That's something that I'm really excited about. We're, to not just talk about it, we've got to get our skin in the game. We've got to actually do it. I want to finish with these words from Matthew because they, they really sum this up. Matthew's Gospel, 25, 35 to 40. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Why don't we pray in finishing? Lord, right at the centre of this passage is, is mercy, the mercy that you show us. Because you forgive us and we come to you and you're like, I'm wiping the slate clean. It's gone. The sin is gone. It's just the most magnificent thing. Lord, we just say thank you. You're so graceful and so merciful. But Lord, we want to be a people of mercy and grace. And that when people come towards us, that's what they would see. That there's been something so deeply changed in us because we've got the gospel, we've understood it, and it's gone down into our souls. And we can't but respond. So Jesus, would you show us the people around us? Lord, would you show us where, two things, where we've had a judgmental spirit, and would you show us where we are to serve and how we can be a people of mercy? So why don't you just take a moment, let's just wait on the Lord. Spirit of God, just come. Scripture reveals where our hearts are. And Lord, I don't know, I don't know where you're at, but it's revealed where I'm at. And Lord, I'm sorry for the places in me that are broken and I just say, Lord, I want to step into to be more like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember you can tune in to our YouTube channel on Sundays from 10.30 for our online church or connect with us through Facebook and Instagram to hear from us throughout the week. We would love to help you find out more about Jesus or grow in your faith. So if you have any questions, get in touch on social media or email info at cardiffvineyard.org. If you're local to Cardiff, we would love for you to get involved in a small group, which is just a small group of people meeting throughout the week across the city. Of course, meeting online at the moment. They are the heartbeat of this church and now more than ever at this time of social distancing, they are so important for you to stay connected to church and grow in your faith. Head to our website cardiffvineyard.org and hit the small groups tab at the top of the page to find out more. If you're listening from further afield, thanks so much for tuning in. We're really glad you're here. But we would also love to help you get connected with a local church where you are. So email us at info at cardiffvineyard.org and we would love to help. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.